nigga live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept. I'm indifferent to him, whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting Milwaukee for the next five years. If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five? I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six. You can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning game six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. Well, that was quite the game. It was an amazing experience to see the Milwaukee Bucks not only play in the NBA Finals, but to witness it in person, and it was a win. And I think that was the biggest part. It was loud from start to finish. You know, I think it was, I, I think any concerns about the crowd can be put to rest. Um, when that crowd decides to get engaged and when the Bucks play like they did, there's absolutely no, um, it's just, it's loud. It's, it, get, it gets the Bradley Center louded. That's something I fully appreciate. Um, yeah, Giannis was just a boss like always. Drew Holiday, hell of a third quarter. You can't complain about that. And, you know, Chris Middleton still didn't play great. So that was cool. Jeff T was just out there running, which whatever. We'll get over that, I guess. But, no, overall from the report on Pfizer Forum, it was amazing. Deer District was amazing. The vibes after the match were top notch. Everyone's having a good time. So no, I I, I think this is going to be a key turnaround for the Milwaukee Bucks to win the series. But that's what I got, and yeah, it was awesome. I ten out of ten would recommend if you can financially afford to go to a game in the NBA Finals. Hello. If all has gone well, you've just heard the dulcet tones of Kyle Carr, who was in the arena. For the Milwaukee Bucks 120 to 100 win over the Phoenix Suns, they stave off effective elimination. I have no idea what he said. We're recording this before he said something. He might not even have sent something, but we're really hoping he did because it was awesome to see his whole family, the picture that he sent beforehand. It was uh, just a joy. And I am very thankfully uh, thankful to be joined by Riley Feldman tonight, who is recording after this game with me. Riley, the spirits are much higher than they could have been if, uh, if the Bucks had lost. How, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I agree. You know, I, we said before the game, I just hope they don't go down 0-3. Because, you know, as much as it's been fun to beat history and be like, well, you know, only three teams in all of history have come back from 0-2, and then we did it. I don't want to do that, like, over and over against, like, 0-3 history. So I'm feeling quite good. I'm excited that Kyle was able to end Gabe. Kyle and Gabe, our Brew Hoop representatives, they were in the arena. Very cool to see a finals game in Milwaukee and to see a win and pretty much an ass-kicking the entire second half. So a lot to talk about. But, yes, the, the spirits are much higher here uh, tonight than it was earlier in the weekend and last week. Yeah, we were. We were I, I was saying to Riley before, and I was prepared if it was 3 we were going to come in a little positive because there's not really anything else that we can do besides being absolutely out of our minds crazy. But instead... We get to celebrate not only a Bucks victory to make sure make them make it make it more of a series. They still need to take care of business on Wednesday in Game Four. Of course, we're we're just excited after an NBA Finals win, the first Milwaukee Bucks NBA Finals win in 47 years. But I'm mostly excited about Giannis Antetokounmpo coming out like a king, going off for 40 points in consecutive final games. He ends this one with 41 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, 13 of 17 from the free throw line. Just one turnover, which is incredible. I know we were talking that the 20-point third quarter in Game 2 got a lot of pub, but I, I have to say, Riley, I, I was more impressed by his Game 3 performance. I was as well. Uh, he, <laughs> the entire second half, so as soon as DeAndre Ayton goes out, it becomes just one long mismatch for Phoenix. And even up until that point, he was scoring in a variety of ways. You know, depending on which pundit you like to talk to, we we need to see him involve his teammates a little bit more. He did that in the first half, first quarter. He was doing some good pick and roll action, passing out of things, driving, kicking, all sorts of different things. 
Um, the narrative thus far in the series is, yes, that's Chris Paul and uh, Devin Booker are a great backcourt duo, but I think depending on how things work out, it's way too early to say one or the other. But to see Giannis go from game one, okay, this guy comes back from, we thought his knee <laughs> was totally ruined. He ends up game one. It's it's not the biggest like scoring night or anything, but to see it, like almost immediately he goes right up to the basket in game one, like the first possession. I'm like, okay, he's locked in. He works his way back in. Game two, team is floundering. He puts the entire team on his back and we don't get there, but it's a heroic performance regardless. Game three, back home he's in his zone he's getting teammates involved he's missing like almost no baskets whatsoever i think you and i we said in the group chat after game two is like there was nothing about Giannis's third quarter and second half in game two that was not replicable like maybe some of the turnaround jumpers but pretty much all of this here he could do easily again and we just saw that on display in game three and it's not that Phoenix should be worried that like, oh, we're figured out now, but they don't have a whole bunch in the way of Giannis stoppers on the squad. And I think Giannis realizes that. And I think the rest of the team is starting to get there as well and just feed him, clear out and work around him in the way that this team has been designed throughout the entire season to work around him. And we saw the, the most important thing they did tonight was get Aiton into foul trouble. DeAndre Aiton is effectively their only capable big man now with Dario Saric out. Frank Kaminsky, God love him. If I loved him when he was a Badger, I'm a former UW alum, so I God love him. But <laughs> wow, he he you cannot stop Giannis Antetokounmpo out there. And we saw this earlier in the season too in the Phoenix games. For as much success as Jay Crowder had last year with the Miami Heat, one on one, he he is not really able to stop Giannis anymore. He he can put up a darn good fight. He's not going to stop him. He can try and make Giannis work for his buckets, but. We saw tonight in game three, there was that amazing rip through that Giannis just whipped right by him. And there's no rim protection with DeAndre Ayton out of the game. So Giannis is really able to get whatever he wanted. The thing that stood out to me, Riley, was just the the assertiveness. So when Ayton's out of the game, the Suns go zone. Giannis is flashing occasionally to the high post. I, I didn't think they attacked the zone very well to start. But eventually they settled in, found ways to penetrate and Giannis was demanding the ball. He was being guarded by Cam Johnson. He was being guarded by, I mean, any other of the, the Mikhail Bridges, who has no answer for Giannis. And he was out there demanding the ball in a way that I have not seen from him before. Yeah. And you know what's going to be the difference for the Bucks team, this Bucks team right now? Uh, you know, one of Drew or Chris showing up is always the plus, And Drew definitely did tonight, at least. And then Giannis being like, hey, I'm just going to go score a whole bunch because there's nothing they can do for me. And the what do we say throughout the season as well? The difference of this year's Giannis versus previous year's Giannis is he has like mastered the brute force in a way where he's not getting called for like charges anymore. He's not throwing himself to try and like manhandle and break through a wall to try and get the offense going. The offense at times is still pretty <laughs> rough to watch, but even in an offense that's rough to watch, you know what's always nice to have? A big man who can just go get you points. What do we have? We have an all-world big man who, if Aiden's not out there, like you said, Bridges, Cam Johnson, um, a couple of times that like Booker got switched on to him that we were able to take advantage of or whatever. Like, you know, it just... It, from top to bottom, there's nobody that can really stop Giannis. And unless they're going to start doubling or like trying to tri triple Giannis or something, there's not going to be an answer for that. And so I think there's a level of, he already knew this previous years of his career, but his skill set is more refined and he's more in control of his skill set now to be able to really take advantage of the fact that is he, is the like the Shaq comparison perfect? No, but it's pretty close. And in order to really be that, there has to be a certain discipline you have to have. And he has that right now. There's like very few mistakes in this game at any on either side of the floor. One turnover was super impressive tonight. The, the Shaq, I've, I've always, I get the Shaq comp. He did have some of the Shaq stuff tonight where like he might miss a bunny or someone else would miss a bunny and he would grab it. And mm -hmm. he was absolutely going to finish that with a slam dunk. Yeah. It was really impressive. The other thing you said is, okay, if Phoenix is like, all right, we don't want to leave Jay Crowder on Giannis one-on-one. -on -one. We saw him, he had four assists in the first quarter. He is making Reed significantly better than he has in any of the postseason playoffs that we've seen him run. So if they are going to be crashing bodies into him, 
I trust his ability to make a dump off pass pass to someone in the dunker spot. We've seen him do that a couple times already. We've seen him be able to kick it out to players for three. It's incumbent upon them to finish it, of course, which is very, very touch and go for this Milwaukee Bucks team. But I think Giannis also, we saw tonight, he might just go up for it and get 17 free throws, which is a really, really high number. It's really, if you're looking at tonight's game, probably the only thing that you say is, probably a little bit unsustainable is him shooting 13 of 17 from the free throw line. I would not expect that to continue, but we also saw some of the turnaround jumpers he was making in game two. Those did not fall for him tonight. Like the, the, those were, those were not his shots tonight. If you look at some of these, some of these turnaround jumpers are included in this. This is kind of crazy. The bucks at the rim per cleaning the glass were 23 of 32, 71.9% in the short mid range, which is four to 14 feet. They were four of 17. So they were missing everything from floater range, like everything. In contrast, the Suns were 10 of 19 from the short mid-range, 12 of 18 at the rim. But the key number there is just 18 shots at the rim. They they were entirely incumbent upon the mid-range tonight, and their three-point shot was not necessarily falling for them, only 29%. Meanwhile, the Bucks were able to respond with a, with a decent three-point shooting game, uh, 38.9%. The other thing about this is what kind of like differentiates Giannis, this run of Giannis and some of the other teammates even has, you know, he does a couple of the turnaround floaters, you know, it kind of gives his body a little bit of a break. It's a different look, all that sort of stuff. If they don't start falling, he doesn't keep trying to go to it to be like, one of these is going to, it's not like a Drew Holiday game six, like one of these tough back threes is going to work. He did something different and it went extremely well for him. So respect to Giannis for that, where I'm sure the threes, it's so tempting. I'm sure to take the threes are so tempting like because it looks cool and it's a little bit easier on you to just do a turnaround fader on the baseline. But it's the NBA Finals and you just got to play like three more games really well. So just go out there and just like do this thing you do. do. Do the Giannis things. Just do that. It's, I don't know, it's a lot of fun to watch when he's really on top of his game. Well, we saw in the fourth quarter, we've seen this a few times this playoffs, He's, he wants he wanted the three early in the fourth quarter. He wanted the three. You could tell he so <laughs> wanted to shoot it. He was he looked like he was honestly going to go up for the shot. He pauses, takes a beat, does a little dribble handoff with Pat Connaughton, works a little two man game. Connaughton hesitates a bit, drives in. Giannis is rolling on on the baseline. Connaughton finds him for an easy dunk. It's like that is precisely what we want to see out of Giannis. And he did that a few times tonight, where instead of just he could bulldoze his way in for sure, but he worked some like really nice. Okay, someone come over to me, take a dribble handoff, let me roll to the rim, and try and pass it to me. Lord knows some of those passes are going to be pretty crappy though, which is the <laughs> rough part. But just it's it's like it's like Lopez said, just like get it kind of near me, and I can get it. Like what one of Giannis's like first end ones I think was a, a pass by Chris where it was like he was kind of trying to do a pocket pass, but it was like going through the lane and it was like right at Giannis's feet and behind him. And it was like, mm-hmm. God love Giannis for being mm-hmm. able to gra- grab that and save Chris Middleton from a turnover because that was as crappy a pass as I've seen. Uh, and, and really, that was like the only thing that was frustrating occasionally about this is just the inability to get Giannis the ball exactly when he demanded it. And some of the love him, love him and hate him football Hail Marys that they're throwing down the court. Where are you at on those right now, Riley? I hate it when they're making a pass to somebody who's not in the camera, who's not (laughs) with it. I'm like, oh, no. Like, I sure hope you know what you're doing because I can't verify that you know what you're doing. And, like, I just some of them will be like, okay, Chris Paul is the only guy. But then they'll, like, underthrow it. I'm like, you're just throwing it right to Chris Paul. Like, what the fuck? I'm super excited when they they work. But there's Mm -hmm. also part of me that's like, okay, if you wait three seconds and dribble a bit more, they're not going to have a big guy run down there and all of a sudden mm-hmm. have Chris Paul be able to sprint back up. Like Giannis can just get an early seal. And then mm-hmm. if you can please just make – all it takes is just an entry pass, which yeah. honestly the success rate might be the same as the football pass based on tonight's experience. But There's, yeah. there's literally nobody on this roster who can do an entry pass. The only one who can in his dreams is Jeff Teague, which is why he made the executive decision in the third quarter to look Giannis off and be like, I'm going to try and entry pass this to Bobby. And he didn't do it all that well. Uh, it, it definitely it hurts having an all-world inside big man like Giannis and nobody on the roster can do like a consistent entry pass whatsoever every single time it's like drew right above the break and he's trying to get Giannis at the high post i'm like this is gonna have to be a circus pass to try and get this 
over one defender to Giannis. But hey, sometimes it works out. So that's all that matters, I guess. Uh, I also thought it didn't show up as much. That the Bucks weren't super, super amazing in the paint tonight. Pretty good in terms of holding Phoenix to like 61%. But I, I thought Giannis did a great job when he was switched on to guards tonight. We've seen this the whole playoffs. He did an amazing job, I thought, bottling up Chris Paul when he had to. Chris Paul, I think it was in the third, maybe the fourth, Chris Paul hit an amazing step back jumper on him baseline. And, and Paul was like bringing every single dribble move out of his bag. Giannis was sticking right with him, had a great contest, but I thought he did a great job of just showing length and preventing guys like Booker or Chris Paul in terms of getting space, getting downhill. I thought he did a great job with that on the perimeter too. He can just, his athleticism is at such a level that no, I don't necessarily want him like, you know, Brooke Lopez man guarding a guard the entire game where like our first strategy is just switch immediately and like just pray. But when you're switching on to Giannis, the fact that he, he again, it's a discipline thing. There's so many times where Brooke does like a decent job. He stays in front of a guard or wherever he contests, but then like the guard stops, does like a pump fake and then Brooke can't help himself because he's just not athletic enough to be able to recover that's the difference between him and Giannis where Giannis is able athletic enough, stay in front lengthy. And then if a guy tries to stop, do a pump fake, whatever sort of dribble move, Giannis doesn't have to bite on that because he can just physically raise up or he's able to react once the shot actually tries to go up to contest it regardless. Um, so that, again, yes, that's his length is critical in that component. And, but so much of it is you can have all the length in the world. But if you're not disciplined about it, it doesn't mean anything. And that's been a huge difference is just how disciplined he is where a lot of dudes would maybe get like super nervous. Chris Paul, I just switched on to this guy. He's making every garbage jumper I've ever seen somebody take. And yet Giannis is disciplined enough, stays in the way. Even if Chris Paul makes a shot, just contest it. That's all you can really do. So again, kudos to Giannis. Pretty much in every phase of the game. I can't think of like one area where I was had like a complaint about what he did. I, I really can't. Just amazing. And then what? just a couple stats in case anyone missed it on that broadcast. In terms of historic stuff, I think they said he uh, had 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists through 3 quarters. The last players to do that in the last 25 years of final history were Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. So not bad. And then also in the finals, back-to-back 40-point games. Last couple people to do that in the last 25 years were Shaquille O'Neal, and LeBron James. So I think it was 40.10 rebound games. 40.10 rebound games. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so basically historic <laughs> shit by your superstar, Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's it's very it's bewildering as a Bucks fan. Like, you know, with, with like a Shaq or a Kobe or a LeBron or a Michael Jordan, you, like so much of their pathway to stardom, it's not that it's been preordained, but like they've been in such the spotlight. It's still hard to watch, like believe that Giannis is out here, and we're so used to him having these insane performances that he goes into the finals, puts up numbers that only like two or three other dudes in the history of the league have ever done, and we're like, yeah, you know, Giannis did a pretty good game tonight. It's really, it's hard to adjust like your expectations to having like an all-time player on your team in the in his prime right now too. It just incredible stuff from Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, there's there's too many there's there's no more superlatives that you can shower mm-hmm. upon this guy i mean just mm-hmm. awesome stuff uh ho- hopefully that his game is celebrated uh royally over the next two games as for the rest of the roster <laughs> i don't know i mean it was like a it was like an interesting <laughs> game riley like okay so we had drew holiday finally hit some threes he goes five of ten i think four of those yeah because four of those came in the third quarter the other mm-hmm. one came like his first shot of the game, and then he just started bricking some stuff, and then he just got <laughs> hot in the third quarter, which was great. Mm-hmm. He did have nine assists, so I, I do want to chalk up some of the the early ball movement uh, to him. I think the Bucks had like eighteen assists in the first half, um, only ten in the second, but there was just a, there was a lot of quality offensive ball movement in the first half in a way that we hadn't necessarily seen um, before. Chris Middleton, eighteen points on six of fourteen shooting. Seven rebounds, six assists. I think I think just what's standing out to me, like more and more, there's a reason we led with Giannis first and foremost, then it was that the the supporting cast was fine. They they were just mm-hmm. fine tonight. But they did come through with, with timely enough shots. They hit their threes. Uh but but there wasn't anyone else who who was necessarily standout. Um maybe Drew with the five of ten from three. That that like given how much he struggled, he's probably warrants like the most plaudits after this one. 
He does. Uh, the main issue is he and Chris have been so inconsistent game to game that I have not zero confidence, but I'm not, I don't see this game and I'm going into game four. like, oh yeah, Drew's locked in now. I'm like, I don't know. He could easily <laughs> just missed all four of those and we have another one to 10 game from three. Uh, it's good that he, he was, it's so frustrating with him because in, in I wrote like a long-ish piece about the struggles of Drew throughout the playoffs. And the most interesting thing about a lot of his shot profile is he's, like his three point attempt rate isn't crazy, even though he's not like a great a great three point shooter. So many of his shots, and you'll just watch the film; they're close. He's like semi open. They're shots that normally he would finesse his way through, and they're just not rolling in for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like he's he's too expended energy wise on the defensive end, or what the deal is. But the the trick with him is like they worked pretty hard early on to get him some open shots. And he rewarded it by also moving the ball on to other guys. And there was a lot more ball movement. I want to look at like the passing numbers from this game. It's just raw passes isn't necessarily an indication of anything. But um, in the previous two games, the Bucks were down by like 20 to 30 passes to Phoenix. And you could tell from like some of Phoenix possessions where they're just whipping the ball around. And we're totally like trying to catch up. Whereas on the other end, it was a lot of hero ball. In this one, still hero ball-ish, but like the garbage jumpers that weren't going for drew in game one and game two they happen to go in this game and sometimes literally the only difference between this guy had a good game and a bad game is does like a couple of jumpers go that that's like was my comment in the first half is like i'm not sure if i've seen chris paul miss a shot this final series and sometimes that's as simple as basketball can be so i think good for drew to make a couple of the shots but um yeah, I don't know. And I'm trying to think of like him on defense. He had a couple of impressive possessions where he like would trap Booker. Like early on, he trapped Booker a couple of times off the switch on the baseline, forced a steal. Um, he was, this like seemed, I can't, it's always tough to tell how much of it is his mistake on like a switch or a miscommunication versus other guys, but a couple where like Chris Paul gets past him and then it's just an easy pass into like a DeAndre Ayton. Um, but yeah, he, he seemed pretty good on defense and if a couple of jumpers fall that's great and then in terms of like other guys on the roster who are good or like noteworthy <laughs> um uh pj i would say a couple of like um layups you got a corner three the biggest thing with him is the give a shit factor seemed to have been <laughs> taken up a whole nother notch and so many of the loose balls in game one and game two. Game one, I give Giannis a pass because he was coming off the knee injury. He wanted to like ease himself into it. But like if a ball is like a 50-50 ball, like in between you and another guy, you need to just launch yourself at it. There cannot be any sort of like, ah, we lost this possession. I'm not really going to fight for that. We It may be, it could be like a strategy thing. Like the coaching staff is like, we'd rather like reconstitute the defense rather than like get drawn out in a battle for a rebound. But P.J. Tucker was scrapping like crazy for offensive rebounds. I don't know how many offensive rebounds did he have. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, only two. Two. Only two. I, I would. I would agree. The, I think that doesn't match the eye test. I, I think it, it was different. He was. He was in the mix no matter what. And even if he didn't get the rebound, he's throwing his body around. He's a big, thick guy. Like you have to earn the rebound against this guy. And that's if you're going to be the role player, defense, corners, three guy. You need to, <laughs> as soon as the shot goes up, whether it's you or somebody else, you need to be going to the basket and you need to be laying a hammer on somebody for a rebound. And he did that in this game. And that's critical. The small stuff. You you got to work for the small stuff to go your way. And PG Tucker did that in this game. Yeah, he, he, he definitely, I would say that was his biggest contribution was the, the scrap factor. Like you said, getting mm -hmm. that turned up defensively. I still have, this was a weird, it was a weird game because I actually thought like effort wise, I felt like game two was a better defensive game, but I think it might've just featured a little better individual defensive performances. And, and this one, they were locked in a little bit more in terms of what they want to do. There's still a few mistakes, but the key stat was only only three corner three attempts tonight for the Suns uh, versus 17 in game two, despite the fact that they were basically decided to go with the drop coverage that they were doing in game two. So basically running, you know, pretty similar scheme versus two games. Bucks cut down on a bunch of those corner three attempts for the Suns. That's huge in terms of pushing down what their their overall mark is going to be from three because they, I think they went 10 of 17 on those corner threes. So overall, a better team defensive performance, I think. Still get I, – I obviously, Drew is an incredible individual defender. I find him sometimes frustrating as a team defender because I think he, he – 
he talks about wanting to trust his teammates, but then it seems like he's pinching over a little bit to try and help mm-hmm. out his teammates. So mm-hmm. um, there, there was just one Crowder three that really frustrated me when I know Pat Connaughton is like kind of on an Island with like Devin Booker, or Chris Paul, but like, I mean, he did like fine enough for yeah, it, like, yeah, he he did. Did, like as well as like anyone could expect a role player to do against him. So like, just trust him a little more because Jay Crowder is insane on open threes, and he went six of seven this game. So um, if you're a Bucks fan, looking at like it could, if you're a Suns fan, you're probably looking at this being like, okay, well, three point shooting didn't fall. Like yeah. we turn it over fifteen times, that's not going to happen again. Um, Devin Booker was atrocious, three of fourteen, only played twenty nine minutes. So they're like that stuff is not sustainable. If you're a Bucks fan, you're saying, okay, well, I don't think Jay Crowder is going to go six of seven from three again. Although you mm-hmm. never want to say that as a Bucks fan, yeah. it's dangerous. <laughs> um, you know, Devin Booker, you know, you're like, okay, DeAndre Ayton was imposing his will upon this game in the beginning, and also making some incredible jump shots, like. That I had, I didn't hadn't felt like we had seen him that from him all series, and th- those were incredible. So, th- there's stuff to look at on both sides. However, you want to slice it, you're you're, you're going to be hopefully probably looking for some optimistic point of views. What do you think of Chris Middleton tonight? Tonight, six of fourteen, seven rebounds, six assists. I never really felt like once again they they ran the first play of the game for him, um, and he he dribbled in, shot a floater that rimmed out. He eventually kind of got going a little, but I still never really felt like he was meshed into the flow of this game. And this is kind of two games in a row where Giannis has taken over and Chris has not really been able to find his way, I felt like. If you told me after the game that Chris didn't actually play at all, I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. I don't remember <laughs> I don't remember him seeing out there. I don't remember seeing him out there. That's what it felt like. No disrespect to Chris. Now, to be fair, so he first half, uh, the Bucks are down a little bit and we're like, uh, you know, it's kind of on the fence. He made a couple of like quick moving jumpers, um, you know, tough shots, which are his specialty, but enough to like, and I, I think like a three as well. I don't know if it was the first quarter, second quarter. Yeah. He had 15 points in the first half. So only three okay. in the second. So it, it, he, he showed up when we needed, when the offense was just atrocious. And if the offense is atrocious and we're not going to give it to Giannis or Brooke, who's the third best option in atrocious offense, it's probably going to be Chris. To his credit, he takes a couple of tough jumpers that keeps our head above water, those sorts of things. Outside of that, uh, <laughs> can't really remember much that he did. Uh, there was the Hail Mary turnover to Giannis. Um, he, like, th- there weren't, like, a lot of possessions where he, like, totally gave away. Sometimes him and Drew have a competition for who can have the dumber turnover. Uh, he definitely, I think Drew. Chris won. Drew won tonight, I think. Which one? Which one did he turn over? The one where he passed it directly in between Pat Connaughton and Chris and Chris Middleton. He passed it directly in between them out of bounds. But I okay, you might be the the long ball Chris Middleton one, you're right, might be dumber. Um I I think it's it's hard to like try and figure out where what his place is in the series, like besides tough shot guy, which is a valid role that he fulfills quite well. Um it's just so hard when Giannis is so dominant and it doesn't seem like Phoenix has an option where like in previous years, it's like, Oh, you can give Giannis a little bit of a break or like we have to break the defense a little bit by going to Chris. Um, He, I wish they would set things up more. So he would just be like, all right, you're out here, grab the ball and take the three or whatever the shot is. Um, They don't do a whole bunch of work for that necessarily. There's a lot of like him trying to initiate offense and Chris is not the best initiator of offense on the team. So I don't know if it's a he's not willing to get shots up, if he's deferring to other players, if it's a schematic situation. I don't know. He, he's not been bad, but he's definitely not been like the you know second banana guy that you'd hope for in, in the most important series in you know franchise history in fifty years. Yeah, it's been it's been kind of a weird series for him because I don't know. Do you, do you have any belief or? or faith that like, okay, we haven't really got the Chris Middleton game yet. Do you like, do you think, are you like expecting in future games that he's suddenly going to turn it around? Uh, I, I'm just like, he, he got aggressive in game one, but I think part of that was because Giannis clearly like wasn't himself. And so yeah. I, I'm just wondering how assertive he's going to be offensively. And part of it could be, we haven't really had a close game in the fourth quarter where like theoretically that's when, that's when Chris is typically Chris Giannis pick and roll, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So maybe that's yeah. part of it. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I would say I have like 50, 50 confidence only because he's a streaky shooter. So he could literally at any time, like just be on it, just start making shots left and right. Like, okay, well here's the Chris Middleton game. Uh, there's definitely the baseline for Chris of like, here's what I can expect. It's not like streaky, like Chris Middleton game esque numbers. He's kind of like within that <laughs> through three games, he's been like solidly Chris Middleton numbers. I'd want to see what his averages are, but they've been super solid, like what you would expect Chris Middleton without being like over the top. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a strange place for him to be in, I guess. I don't know. It, it's it's such a different thing from like the Hawks series was like, well, there's definitely nobody bailing us out. Uh, Giannis is not coming back, so we need to do this. Mm-hmm. And he pressed a little bit in the first game and it did show in his actual scoring numbers. Um, but there's always the possibility of him going hot because as long as Mike Boonholzer is going to run a 12-man rotation, there are going to be minutes where Chris needs to get some shots up. So it, it's certainly possible in game four if, say, for example, DeAndre Aiden stays out of foul trouble. It's a little bit more of a rock fight. There might be a role in that case. Um, but we've just seen Giannis be so dominant that it's like, oh, you don't even need Chris to get shots up at the end because a Giannis shot is going to be way more valuable than anybody else's shot. Talking about the narrative of this game, first quarter I thought was pretty pretty rough for the Bucks. It looked like Phoenix Phoenix really was not on. I think they ended the quarter like two of nine from three, just like the Bucks. But but it looked like the Bucks should have been up, but they were down by by five or three, I think. Three, um, yeah. Second quarter looking doesn't look great because the, I think the Suns go on a, a decent run and they're up like thirty six to thirty. Thankfully, the Bucks are able to respond, and then for the first time in this series, we finally get a good closeout to the half, and, and they make it by far their best quarter of the series, I thought. Ended on a 10-0 run. They're up 60-45. to 45. Giannis has 18. Chris has 15. We're feeling good, besides the fact that Phoenix has, has, has basically gone 2 of 14 from 3, so we're a little scared mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Third quarter, Aiton gets his first foul. You're feeling it, it's like a minute and a half into the game. You're thinking, okay, well, well Monty pulls him. Suns go zone. Bucks all of a sudden can't quite get stops on one end. They decide to go small, and then mm-hmm. the, the, they just can't quite figure out the zone properly. I think the Suns cut it to either four or six, and mm-hmm. like really the only reason the Bucks are, are staying ahead for a while is the Drew Holiday pull-up three-pointers, which are somehow going in. And then th- thankfully, as the quarter ends, I do think they found a little bit better offensive flow. And, and then from there, the fourth quarter was kind of like, yeah, just sort of perfunctory, like it just happened or whatever. So how nervous were you in the third quarter as the Suns are kind of making their run and the Bucks seem to be stuck in the mud against the zone and, and just not able to get stops? I think the Suns started 9 of 10 from the field to start the second, third quarter. Yeah, and the Bucks had like two turnovers in the first three oh. possessions. I was like, no, not this again. That was the thing. I was like, I think Mitchell came in. He was like, oh, I was out. Like, what happened? I was like, oh, the Bucks made shots and Phoenix didn't. Like, don't worry, though. The Bucks will fuck it up. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the Bucks came pretty close to doing just that. Uh, if So I was in the group chat and also on my own timeline freaking out that all they had was McCall Bridges and Jay Crowder and we just could not get the ball to Giannis. And to be fair... You know, if, if this is what it takes to get Drew out of out of his funk or whatever, I'm willing to forego it or whatever. But it just felt like they made life so much more difficult on themselves than they needed to. And especially, like, when they tried to go small ball and Phoenix, Cam Johnson went supernova for, like, a three-minute stretch. And they're just, like, every basket that Phoenix wanted inside, we had no response for. And it was like, okay, and I appreciate not wanting to let the opponent dictate what your strategy is going to be. But the Bobby Porter show is not going to be like the defensive juggernaut that we need right now to help get some stops. And thankfully, Drew was hitting those step back threes that weren't falling before. But it, it just felt like throughout the third quarter, until they hit that second half of the third quarter and they really just take off, um, I was like, they're just making this way harder on themselves than they need to. And that was the, probably the most frustrating slash, I wouldn't say concerning because we have to see how it goes in game four, but there were so many different points where it's like, if they just did this slight thing, if they put in this guy if they did and super easy for me some freaking idiot on a couch at home to be like <laughs> if they just put in the good players they do better uh 
which is an adjustment I would definitely make if I was like Boonholzer heading forward. But it, it just felt like there were a couple of small things where if they do these things, they'll make life so much easier on themselves. And I think they only end the third quarter like plus seven over the, I think they scored 38 and Phoenix scored 31 points, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the run at the very back end, that does not speak well of whatever the first half of the third quarter was. And, and uh, Kevin was in the... Uh, He's in the chat like, oh, you need to be happy. I was like, I'm just so mad because they could have like won that quarter by like 40 points to like 10 points or something. It just I felt they made it way harder on them. So I was nervous, but once they obviously went on the run, it was fine after that. What did you think about – I was a little – I would say in general I wouldn't mind a little more Brooke Lopez this series. I thought it was kind of a kind of a quick decision by Bud stubbing out Brooke Lopez basically as soon as they got a pick-and-pop Jay Crowder three in that third quarter, I wouldn't have, in, I would say in general, I am not as like angry at Bud as maybe some other people are. I think he's been like, he's tried some stuff. He apparently tried too much stuff, which like, I don't know. At some point it's like, I can't, I can't, you can't really win with these mm-hmm. people. Rotation mm-hmm. decisions tonight were, were pretty strange, but I, I wouldn't have minded if they're just like, okay, we have Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo, two massive men. Right now the Phoenix Suns are basically having Cam Johnson and Tory Craig or Cam Johnson and Frank Kaminsky try to guard people inside. That doesn't that seem like the time where okay, let's just switch. Let's go back to the switching one through five. I I, I know it didn't work in the beginning, but like you got to give it just like I don't know. Maybe they were like we don't want to we don't want to go back to switching and even let Chris Paul get any sort of semblance of rhythm tonight or let Devin Booker mm-hmm. get any sort of semblance of rhythm. Maybe that was their thought, but I wouldn't have minded keeping Brook Lopez in a little and just like using that that to hammer them inside. You could let Brooke Lopez flash to the high post. You could have Giannis flash to the high post. Like those are two massive men who could always take advantage of them inside. So I'm just, I'm just kind of fascinated by bud in this series. And this is the series like throughout all of his time here in Milwaukee, basically Phoenix is the first team that's been like, bud, you're not going to play Brooke Lopez all that much anymore. Even, even Atlanta, they kind of, he would occasionally not play him with that small ball unit, but the small ball unit has not been that good this series. It has not been nearly as 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 good as it as it was in the playoffs up to this point. So I'm just kind of fascinated that this series in particular is making Bud think Brooke Lopez doesn't have a place out there. It is a bit strange. I think, and to be fair, I'm also rattled. Uh, the <laughs> the switch, and then it's either Brooke Lopez trying to guard Chris Paul on the perimeter, which is almost an automatic bucket, or like foul one way or the other. Or a bad switch and then DeAndre Aiden's just like <laughs> tearing to the basket and he's converting mm-hmm. everything. To be fair, I would probably be a little rattled by that as well. But as soon as Aiden goes out, uh, yeah, I think the excuse on both ends of the floor kind of goes out the window. Because, yes, you still don't want like a possession to be just Brooke Lopez man guarding Chris Paul. But like the pick and roll threat is definitely no longer there necessarily. And so, yes, it feels like you have more leeway to like, you're not correcting the switch. Part of the issue with the switch is Drew, as much as he's vaunted as an individual defender, he, or like, um, or PJ Tucker, they clearly have yet to have like enough size or position to even try and like sort of bother DeAndre Aiden if they're able to get the ball inside. If he's not out there, that problem goes right out the window. You no longer have to worry about that. And so maybe... You know, whatever. I could like be like, oh well, Mike Boos is Mike Boonholz is just saving Brooke. He's giving him a couple minutes. Maybe he felt really inspired by Bobby Portis's players' Tribune piece and he wanted to give Bobby <laughs> a lot of minutes. I have no idea his motivations. Uh I I would what was like um Brooks minutes in game one and game two? Were they also down like yeah, so game noticeably? One, yeah, so game one. I think was was that one eight was that one eighteen one oh eight no this is okay so game two, game two he was he was at twenty eight minutes game one he was at twenty three so he's been down quite a bit I mean tonight Bobby Portis almost played more minutes than him yeah I, it, to me that does not feel like the right adjustment I again I totally understand the like the DeAndre Aiden pick and roll that's been fucking deadly all series long it started I think DeAndre Aiden was six to seven from the floor to start the game. Why is that? Because literally nobody could like, once we switch, we are totally boned or like, he's just, the connection is too good. But, and up until this game, we haven't gotten Aiden in enough foul trouble to have to warrant like, Oh, Brooke, you can take advantage and go back out there. So maybe that has something to do with it, but I'll be curious 
heading forward, how much do the Bucks note that if Aiton's not out there, they play way better against Phoenix? And how much are they able to like just target that? And I think it's a lot harder these days. You like watch like footage from like the eighties. It's like, okay, everybody clears out and it's just two dudes like in the post just banging. And it's like, okay, foul, 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 foul. Like that was, it's not so much that game anymore. I think it's harder to just target and be like, oh, let Brooke ISO in the post against, or like let, let Giannis do that and target him. But if they're able to work that, maybe then that opens up more of a space for Brooke to come back in. Um, but right now, yeah, it feels like he's probably being a little underutilized, especially with how much um, Bobby is giving up on the defensive end, where once you get him into space, it's, you know, you're flirting with disaster every time it happens. So I, I just, I'm not sure if I agree with the trade-off that Boonholzer is making there, um, but I don't know, whatever. They won tonight, I guess, so I can go shove it. Yeah, I know. That, I mean, that's a tough part, right? Is that like they have their best defensive rating of the series, 104.4. I would not lay that at Bobby Portis's feet, even though he was like a plus 19 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, but he, he only shot four of 11. I mean, he had 11 points on 11 shots. That's not like super efficient or anything for, for Bobby. No. Um, no rub on him. I mean, he had four offensive rebounds and four defensive rebounds. So like kudos to that guy. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more, but it feels, sometimes it feels like Bud's almost getting uh, like, hoodwinked into thinking that like DeAndre Ayton is actually a small ball five when it's like, mm-hmm. no, he, he, he can be a small ball five, but he's also like basically a traditional center. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. really, really good at being a traditional center. And it, sometimes it feels like maybe he's outthinking himself a little bit by going to the small stuff. That being said, once again, caveat, I am, I know nothing about basketball in comparison to Mike Budenholzer. So I, I am in no position to judge and I, I get that people want to, it's very easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no position to judge. That being said, what about Jeff Teague? How'd you, what'd you think about his performance tonight? This is, so I could forgive the, the Bobby minutes. I can forgive mm-hmm. taking broke off the floor. I'm like, okay, but when I'm sitting at home, I got a Coors Light in one hand, I got a bowl of popcorn <laughs> in the other. And I'm like, even I know I'm an idiot. And even I know you shouldn't be doing this. Mike Budenholzer. every time that Jeff Teague in the year of our Lord, 2021, <laughs> gets NBA Finals minutes with the game on the line. What we're doing is we're playing a game of franchise Russian roulette to see whether or not this time is going to be the kill shot. And tonight <laughs> we survived, but I mean, it felt like just barely. It, the most bewildering thing about Jeff Teague isn't that he's lost a step. It's not that like he's totally allergic to taking no hesitation cash and shoot threes. How have you been with the team for like this long and you make so many bad decisions? It's really that the ask on him is like, bring the ball up the court. Don't turn it over. Get it to somebody else. That's his job. And he just, does Boonholzer go out there and say, Jeff, this is your time. And if he's doing that, we probably do need to fire Mike Boonholzer because this is not Jeff Teague's time. Literally anybody else, but barring Thanasis, literally anybody else can take a shot. Jeff, don't drive to the basket. Don't try to do a crazy entry pass. Don't overthink it. It's insanity that how <laughs> I have to look. I'm gonna look at the minutes. Let's see how many minutes he played tonight. Jeff Teague played 14 minutes. I bet minutes that's a playoff a, high. A playoff? Oh, like in this run? You mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, not <sighs> historically. That would be. I was gonna really say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that might be. Um, he got a lot of minutes in game two as well, which was also extremely the number of times that we would come out of timeout in game two. I was like, oh, God, Jeff Teague is still out there. And the game is only like an eight point game. And we're going <laughs> Jeff Teague. Uh, questionable decision making. Um, one of the best adjustments a coach can make in the NBA finals is just play your good guys a shitload of minutes. Uh, I appreciate the need to try and like rest drew a little bit but jeff teague is probably not the guy to like do that i don't know how you work around that but i probably not do jeff or I would say jeff you can do like one thing and that is it i was gonna ask how, how do you work around so like i guess drew and chris chris theoretically at most nights might play like honestly 44 45 minutes drew might go up to like 42 43 and i guess bud has just opted to go with teague over forbes which like honestly I can't necessarily might, blame him be okay. because, like, be because okay. Forbes, like a Forbes possession is almost the exact same result as a T possession. Like, but, 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 it, but because Forbes has already at least done something that like the, the, the Teague, the, the, the frustrating thing about Teague is that like, he's theoretically a point guard. Like 
I can excuse Bryn Forbes. Like there, he's like, okay, you paid me the veterans minimum to come in here and shoot. So you I'm can't a gunner. Really get, he, yeah, he's he, like, I'm here to be a gunner and that's it. And you know what? That's what he's trying to do. You can't get mad at me that I have a historically low assist rate. Like you didn't bring me in here to friggin' up the ball and play beautiful <laughs> basketball. Like I'm here to shoot and chew gum and that's about it. Jeff Teague is a point guard who who should be able to pass and should be able to like theoretically see, okay, I know I'm on the strong side of the floor and I know I have Bobby Portis at the elbow trying to box up against Torrey Craig. And I know my time didn't with Tory Craig didn't overlap here, but I understand that we hate him as a buck. <laughs> and so we need to attack this as opposed to letting Chris Middleton or Giannis Antetokounmpo get a touch on the ball on the weak side. No need to swing this. Bobby's got this. Mm-hmm. Whoops. Turnover. Whoops. Bobby now is basically angry and gets attacked later on because mm-hmm. of that. Basically. I mean, yeah. it was just, it, it was very baffling. That being said, I like, I kind of get it if you're trying to spell Drew. I just wouldn't mind a little less, a little less Teague. It just, it feels like, so like if Jeff Teague comes in end of like the first or whatever, end of the third, I'm like, okay, I get it. You got to give the guy a little bit of rest, no big mm-hmm. deal. It's just like when they keep, the minutes keep going and I'm like, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, this has been like 30 minutes of real time that Jeff Teague has been on the court right now in an NBA finals game. And you're right that the options are somewhat limited. I think Drew ended up playing like 40 minutes tonight or something. Hey, man, it's the finals. You might have to play like 45 minutes. So we might need to find a way to like just dig a couple more minutes here. And and it's not that Drew is incapable. As you said, like nine assists tonight. I think he had eight assists. Even in a game two where he played pretty poorly, still at eight assists. He can dish the ball. He makes good decisions, all that sort of stuff. If it's simply a rest thing, you know, it's just do it. Like, like I remember in game, I want to say it was game seven against the Nets. Boonholzer was really good with like his tight, like, okay, we can buy Giannis like yep. two to three minutes of real time rest here. If you just go in and, or like however long it is, you just need to like have that same exact energy right now in every game because we need to win a title. And the only way we're going to do that really realistically is probably with the best players out there. So Boonholzer is capable of doing it. I just think right now the stakes aren't necessarily high enough to prod him into like, we're just going with like a seven man rotation right now. It's still want to say eight guys. It's like still eight eight guys guys, roughly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, that being said, it is still like a full series, right? And and it's also been like an entire playoff run. So I think on some level, I'm sure in his head, he is like, okay, I can't, I can't necessarily go emergency, where I'm only doing six guys anymore, so he, yeah. he might be he might be thinking that as well. That's true. Um, yeah, we we only went with that once we lost Game Five against Brooklyn. It was like we literally, if we do not win this next game, we're <laughs> out. And my ass is trash. So you know, I, I understand if it takes a little bit more urgency. I understand. And again, to be fair, we were able to pull it off tonight. Um, and even in the Jeff Teague minutes, baffling as they are. I think Jeff Teague was still like plus on the evening. Oh, plus nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was still plus nine. Actually higher than Chris Middleton. (laughs) That means Jeff Teague needs to play more apparently. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, if we get away with it, not the end of the world. I would just maybe tamp it down a little bit more. Or if you're going to do end of the quarters, just be a little bit quicker in the following quarter to pull him because we need to try and like establish the lead. So then everybody can rest and then Jeff Teague can come back out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What else from this game? Pat Connaughton, 30, 30 minutes, eight points, three rebounds, four assists. I, I want to get. I want to give a shout out. We've already said this so many times. I know Kyle. He'll hopefully he'll say this in his voice memo. Pat Connaughton, I need to shut the f up about you, guy. You were in game two. It was the Giannis and Pat show. Literally everybody else failed Giannis except for Pat, and he yep. was the only guy who showed up in the second half. And if you are a role player making like $3 or whatever, and you show up <laughs> in a finals game and you've been one of the stopgap guys throughout the entire playoff run since Dante went down, salute to you. So I, you write it. So like, I'm trying to think game two, game two, we're like coming out of the run. We're like, we got the lead down to like six. We get that fast break. I want to say it was in, was it the third or fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. And the Bucks like, these idiots. They get the fast break. It's like a four-on-two situation. Giannis passes to Drew, who passes to Chris. Who? Or wait, no. Giannis passes to Drew, who then passes to Pat. 
instead of either of those two first guys, like just attacking the rim, they go for the like knockout three and Pat, instead of shooting, I mean, he'd been on a magical run up until that point. He makes the bad mistake, tries to go cross court to Chris. It's a turnover that essentially kills the momentum. I think it was the fourth quarter outside of that. There have not been many loser plays from Pat. Very rare that I see anything. I'm like, oh, that was a very clear like issue. He's been solid defensively. Uh, he's made his threes at a much higher clip. We're on like a very good Pat Connaughton run right now, which is all you need from like a wing, like a guard wing on your team. Uh, so yeah, huge respect to Pat. Uh, it's, he's been awesome all playoffs. That's all you can really say about it. Yeah, did a really decent job tonight, I thought, staying in front of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, Cameron Payne. I mean, like, he's going to get cooked because he's he's back content. And also, I mean, like, Drew Holiday gets cooked by these guys, too. So it's, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, what are you supposed to do about it? But I, I thought a really impressive night for him. Finally gets an, an offensive foul call uh, in his favor. I feel like he's hit the ground more than anyone else in these playoffs and gotten the least amount of calls for it. So yeah. that was good to see from him. I, I mean, even just working that two-man game with Giannis, it's mm-hmm. like, it's stupid, it's cliche, but it's like he, he genuinely understands how to play basketball in a team setting so mm-hmm. much better, seemingly, than, than a lot of these other guys. I, I love Bobby Portis, but Bobby Portis, when he's out there... It, it, if the ball gets to him, <laughs> it's not going away from Bobby. Yeah. The ball's same, not going from Bobby. Same with Jeff Teague. Like, and, and, and I mean, I think that, I mean, it speaks to the... Part of what that speaks to is the benefit and I know, I know we all ripped on the contract, but the benefit of just being like, you know what? We're going to bring this guy back. We're not going to sign another vet min person. We're going to bring back this guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to cost a little bit more because we screwed up the cap and don't understand how to work it properly. <laughs> but like plays like that Giannis Connaughton two-man game in the fourth quarter are precisely the benefit to bringing back someone who's a role player who's been there for a while when you're mixing in all these other players. I, I think that's a perfect example of of chemistry that you don't have yeah. for players that haven't been there as long, and in the I, I think it was in the second quarter another one busted offensive possession. We I think we get like the offensive rebound. It goes out to maybe PJ on the corner. PJ goes over to Pat, and Pat has an open shot, but the defense is scrambling towards him. Immediate, no hesitation, passes it right to Chris, who's wide open, and Chris nails the jumper. He's like, it, it's plays like that where it's like, you, yes, you have a good shot, and I, he's been very quick on the trigger. He's the only role player that's been quick on the three-point trigger all series long. The number of times PJ or Bobby does a pump fake on a wide-open three, I'm like, I just want to choke you. But Pat... <laughs> On the other hand, he just takes the three or he immediately knows I'm just going to pass it on. He's not doing a pump fake. He's not letting the defense collapse on him and then having to force the reset on the offense. Uh, Yeah, he's just made really great decisions like the the entire playoffs and especially in the finals so far, which I would never have guessed I would say going into the season. So, again, I just need to shut up about these guys, I guess. Yeah, man. Salute to him. Um, 54 to 40 points in the paint. I honestly thought that one might be bigger. The big thing tonight was second chance points, 20 to two. We saw some of those 50, 50 balls go in the Bucks favor. Bucks finally complete some shots at the rim. 71.9%. As I said, though, still that short mid range was really bad. Um, You know, this is a weird game, Riley. Like I'm trying to think about how I felt, I, how I feel coming out of this game, coming out of game two. And I'm, I'm curious for like your perspective on the series as a whole. I would say coming out of game two, I mean, I wrote a whole piece about optimism for the Bucks, but I mean, it's probably like more like a, you know, just kind of talking myself into it as well. <laughs> uh, but I felt pretty good about this team actually being able to respond at home. I mean, they're seven and one at home. They've done this before. I, I, it was really impressive to see it tonight. But I, I, there's like, there's still something about this game. And may, maybe this is just, I think part of it is we, st- I still haven't seen like, the kind of stuff I really want to see from Drew and Chris it feels kind of weird to like not have Brooke out there as much as I'm used to, given he like mm-hmm. played 50 minutes in a knockdown drag out game against the Brooklyn Nets. And then maybe this is just Giannis's new normal, but I keep being like, okay, when's he going to, when's it going to kind of come down? So mm-hmm. I, I, I hope everyone enjoyed the win. For some reason, I'm feeling like a little, a little less good about the team after this win than I thought I would. I don't know. What do you think? I think the main thing is we put an ass kicking on display and like Giannis was the other one who really did a lot of ass kicking. Everybody else is just kind of there. <laughs> That's probably the reason why you're feeling a little like <laughs> yeah, mixed yeah. about it. Um, 
But shouldn't that mean that I'm feeling that I feel better? Like hopefully other players will finally step up, or am I just like I I can't trust any of these other people? I mean, I don't know. We've seen enough from the rest of the squad to know that we have no idea what to expect. Now, to the credit of almost all the role players, almost everybody, we've gotten so much more from a lot of these guys than we've ever gotten from any role player ever in like mm-hmm. franchise history. So there is something to that, but uh, I think the inconsistencies of Chris and Drew are always going to be an open question mark. And who knows, they could turn around like the next two or three games. It'd be amazing. Even like the next game. And if they have big games, they're like, okay, they're kind of back on track. Um, I think for me that the series as a whole first game tough to really measure because of the Giannis knee stuff, um, you know, and Brock is crowd. Phoenix is really good. You're like, okay. Second game frustrating, but you see a lot of things. You're like, okay, there's too many signs on both ends that we're like, we're dead. We're just going to roll over. Um, I think it was really encouraging to see Giannis replicate what he did in game two and game three. There's been so many times on this playoff run where the Bucks have <laughs> put themselves into ever more impossible odds, and then they just like figure it out somehow. And it's stupid. I don't necessarily believe in there being any sort of magic but they've had so many responses on this playoff run where okay the other team gets the better of them what was it in miami they had like the duncan robinson game one like that little fold we shut that down game series is over against brooklyn it was like hope that Kyrie and james harden get injured they do and then just survive the kd thing that's an adjustment we did that <laughs> to perfection uh against the Hawks, we, we lose the first game. Second game, we, like, move the ball around, and then we just, like, <laughs> we kick the hell out of the Hawks. Trey Young goes down again. So part of it is, like, injury luck and things like that. However, there is a role to play there. They have, like, for example, Phoenix. Dario Saric goes down. If Aiden gets an A foul trouble at all, that opens Milwaukee's game plan up significantly. We've been there too many times now to not expect them to try and, like, maybe work their way out of it. I understand the apprehension. I'm definitely not going to come out here and be like, well, the Bucks are destined to just like rattle, you know, rattle off another three wins and win this thing in the six games as everybody predicted. Um, but there was, there was enough uh, in both game two and game three to be like, we might have something here. If they're able to take advantage of the small things, mostly Aiden, it feels like to me, everything essentially falls on Aiden, which as if people go, people never, re-listen to like old sports podcasts but in in the preview to this i was like unless i see deandre aiden play good basketball i'm not going to believe it i've seen him play pretty good basketball and if you take the big man tripod out of a like backcourt what have we seen if it's just our two backcourt guys except in games five and game six against atlanta it was like oh god what are we doing out here i i wonder if that's a similar situation where if you take that tripod away from or that leg away from phoenix how do they respond to that because they do not have a lot to go off of after that it's just can the bucks take advantage of that we'll have to see i don't know yeah aiden has not been in foul trouble very much this whole year so the whole playoff run i should say so really credit to the bucks for attacking him i mean that's that should very clearly be their game plan going forward is try and try and attack that's try and attack this guy. He might make some dumb fouls if you keep going inside all that often, mm-hmm. so you need to keep mm-hmm. doing that. I mean, the if you're looking for, for positives, I mean Cam Johnson, he was one of five from three, which you wouldn't normally expect, but I mean he played about he played really well for a role player, right? The old mm-hmm. adage role players play better at home than on the road. But I thought he played really well. Mikhail Bridges, I mean, that was a huge one. He had twenty seven in game two. Essentially four relegated points. to just four points. How do you, how do you get which, four points? What are you I, doing, guy? I I am not sure. Uh, I mean, so if you're if you're a Suns fan, you're saying, okay, we didn't shoot well from three. We'll we'll get back. But I, I thought all in all, the the defensive effort on the perimeter was really really heartening. I, I thought that was good. They they certainly had some shots that they missed that they might normally make. Uh, that's going to happen to every team. But I thought they did a pretty good job of contesting those. Uh, and, and like you said. They found the game the game two strategy of going to the drop, trying to close the gap as quick as possible, keeping keeping Brooke Lopez up a little higher. It, they think that's going to be a winning strategy. Aiton was able to abuse it a little bit when they started switching a bit more or when they were just able to find him on the roll. But he also hit some tough shots tonight that might not go in. So I, I, I think I, I, I don't want to sound like pe- pessimistic or anything because I do think the Bucks have a strategy that all in all, could generally work as long as you know the math doesn't completely dis- like go out of their favor. So I do think that they found something defensively that works pretty well for them. It's a matter of 
can they keep scoring offensively consistently enough? Can can Chris find his way? Can can Drew somehow find his way? And can they ensure that they keep getting some decent three point shooting? Because I, I mean, game one, forty four percent. Game two or game three, thirty eight percent. Like that's better than we've gotten almost this entire playoff mm-hmm. run. So if that's mm-hmm. going to continue, then then you're you should feel in pretty good shape as a Bucks fan if somehow that's going to keep going. The two biggest concerns are Chris Paul has more basketball IQ in his left pinky than almost <laughs> the entire Bucks roster. And as much as Giannis is a battering ram, he's not like the most basketball IQ. He's been a lot better at this playoff run, but still like compared to a Chris Paul. So I, I will always worry so long as that guy is out there of like, okay, what's going to happen next? Uh, the other thing, him and Booker are like, garbage shot maestros i don't know how many times we have contested the contests have been good there were a couple of like booker threes where it's like oh okay we didn't even really try on defense on that or just a miscommunication but a lot of the mid-rangers we've been right on top of them pj tucker mixed results but so many of the booker and paul mid-rangers i'm like oh my god i'm like how every time the books just start getting closer and it's just be a garbage shot i'm like what the fuck is happening and that have that felt that was like game one against atlanta it was like okay or uh it was a game three one of the games against atlanta where it was like okay it was just a lot of garbage shot making from atlanta and i think it was probably game three and the bucks eventually just came back anyhow uh i wonder if that'll work out but they're so good at the mid-range they're so good at the mid-range that it's like between the iq of phoenix and mostly through paul being able to orchestrate everything and then just the pure shot making you know, those are two tough hurdles to try and overcome. So far, I mean, tonight we did it. Game two, they looked okay. The the garbage shooting ended up going through for Phoenix. So we'll see how it keeps going forward. But there are still reasons to be like, well, maybe <laughs> maybe game three was just a one-off. But there was, again, between game two and game three, there were too many good signs on both ends, I think, to be like, oh, we're totally, we're just going to drop the next two games no matter what. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Suns are really good. And this is, that's like, the way they're able to hit those shots are one of the reasons that I'm not always... I'm not, I wasn't like mad or upset about the Brook switching. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, did you see Chris Paul hit that baseline jumper over Giannis Antetokounmpo? That was perfect defense. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a matter of you want to make sure they don't get into a rhythm, which they did basically in game one against the, against those switches. It looked bad, but in all honesty, Chris Paul probably would have hit those shots over Giannis. He probably would have hit him over Drew. Like, he, he would have hit all of those. So it's about making him feel uncomfortable, which they have done the last two games. Six turnovers in game two, four turnovers for Chris Paul tonight in game three. Those are huge numbers for him. I think he I think he was coming into the playoffs like a six to one assist to turnover ratio or something, which is mm-hmm. just like ludicrous. So yeah. so good job on the Bucks making him feel uncomfortable. That was that was job number one after game one. Mission accomplished so far, but they're still down two one in this series. They absolutely I, I think they basically need to win game four because if they lose that three one isn't insurmountable but it, you know it, it basically is if you're if you're looking yeah. at it so um i don't know anything else from from game three or this series riley that you want to say uh let me look at the box score here real quick um super mixed on bobby uh like you said plus 19 salute to that I, i've been mixed on the bobby minutes sometimes because some in an offense as antiquated as ours sometimes the guy who just has the sticky hands he goes up for baskets like okay i mean that's those are some shots that the um second quarter run the one that really broke blew it open was like the four-man fast break that chris passes to drew who then dumps it off to a trailing bobby who's ready for it and just goes right up for the dunk awesome Stuff like that. That's exactly why Bobby is so fun because he's a big who runs down with the guards and the wings and just like, I'm right here. Um, It just feels like it's not to Jeff Teague level, but I just continue to worry of like, if he's out there and Chris Paul is out there, I think you said in the podcast last week, if Chris Paul is out there and he's like, where's Bobby Portis? Let me find Bobby Portis. Who's who's Bobby Portis guarding right now? Let's just, you come over here. Let's figure this out. Feels like that's kind of played out a little bit so far. Um, I, you know, mixed. I, obviously, he's like really good, like culture guy, good pump up guy. I think it gets the crowd going, all that sort of stuff. And there is a value to that. But uh, some possessions, I'm like, ooh, it's just it's really rough. It, it's a to me, it's been a mixed experience with Bobby. I would definitely agree. I think there was a I think there was a point tonight or uh, in Game Three where Portis was out there without Giannis or Brook as well for a small spell, which is. Just like absolutely terrifying. Like, please don't do that. Also, I, I I am mixed on Bobby as well. I think it's kind of 
crazy. It went from like five minutes last game to 18 minutes this game. But, uh, you know, like you said, you talked about his benefits. I, you also talked about his the, the things that didn't go as well, so I don't need to rehash it. I will say on that awesome transition bucket that, like, Drew had, and they did that behind-the-back pass to Chris, who passed it back to Drew, who gave it to Bobby. Um, I mean, I suck because as I watched it, I was like, I thought every pass was just going to be turning it over. Oh, I it was just going to go exactly. out of bounds. Oh, no, 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 you no. just go up. <laughs> I had the exact same thought. I was like, I can't believe they're going to mess up this fast break. It was like four on two, and I was like, they're going to mess it up again. And <laughs> I oh, felt like God. they almost did. I don't know. I think they, it seemed like about three of those passes were going to be just going out of bounds. And they went 16 to six on fast break, break but I still feel there were like there were several times where I was like, why, why mm-hmm. are you doing this? Please mm-hmm. just. Oh God, that frustrated me. There was a Jeff Teague one later too, where he like it was a fine enough pass, like he passed it to the guy in the corner, but like he had Giannis trailing him in transition, and it was like Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. It's really simple. Don't go Malcolm Brogdon on us, okay? Don't mm-hmm. take, don't call your own number. Just give it to Giannis in transition. It's very simple. Um, yeah, Bobby Portis. I don't know. Uh, interesting. I think he clearly seems to pump up the the home crowd, which is. Maybe worth something, but uh, yeah, I agree. I'm kind of mixed on him. Any, any, anything else? Any other players you wanted to comment on? Um, no, I, I th- the only other thing is game two heartbreak. Uh, frust- probably more frustrating than heartbreaker. They weren't like actually like right in there. Um, I, I salute Giannis for throwing essentially spearing Tory Craig through into the depths of hell. Uh, I've, you know, Giannis, there's a lot of dudes who do some absolute bullshit trying to get calls on him. And because he's just Giannis, he's not like necessarily going to like totally demolish the guy. I mean, he was going a hundred miles an hour. He lowered the shoulder and he went right through Tory Craig. So I was like, man, that's a, that's a hell of a way for the season to come full circle. I thought Tory Craig died. I was like, oh no, he just killed Tory Craig. Uh, respect to Tory Craig, I guess, for coming back and playing in game three, because I thought for sure his season was over. Uh, and also respect to Giannis for finally getting your money's worth. If a dude is going to try and like stand way in the way and you're like falling already, just spear the guy who cares. I mean, it's whatever. Let these guys know what's up if they're going to try and stand in your way because it's not going to end well for them. I can't think of a better way to end this podcast than Giannis Antetokounmpo spearing Tory Craig. <laughs> Bucks win 120 to 100. They're back in the series. They're up two to one. Next time we speak to you, we should probably be after game five. So just please, let's hope that, uh, that uh, we still have a series to talk about at that point. But um, another huge, huge win for the Bucks in, in what was effectively a must-win game. So go to brewhoop.com. We'll have coverage of it. Gabe was in the arena covering the game, which is awesome. Super excited for him. So you'll get to hear his his dispatch from in Pfizer Forum. And uh, we'll have plenty more breakdowns before each game, after each game. Follow us on Twitter at brewhoop. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs>